Yo, welcome to episode 205 of the Zaycoma Podcast. It's your boy, Mrs. ECP from the A63, a.k.a. Mrs. Zaycoma, a.k.a. Pocahontas number one podcaster. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the off-seasons of the Utah Jazz, the Sacramento Kings, the New York Knicks, the LA Lakers, and the Orlando Magic. Um, I'm going to be honest with you, probably the only team that had a genuinely eventful off-season is the LA Lakers. Um... Granted, like I said, I wouldn't even say none of, none of these teams really had a bad offseason and the looks of it. Honestly, the worst grade on this list is the Orlando Magic, and that's because I think them going out and getting um, Joe Ingles, I think it's – although it's a need, a shooter, they needed a shooter on the roster. I don't think they needed a 36-year-old shooter on the roster, but, you know, nonetheless, um, I don't hate the idea – of, of again of having a veteran on the roster just at that price tag is kind of um counterproductive sorry about that pop but um overall yeah like i said none of these teams really in the grand scheme of things had a bad off season is this not it's not eventful so like we'll start with the utah jazz their one move this off season i mean obviously besides the draft we're gonna but again I got to keep mentioning every episode because I do get DMs sometimes, especially when I did these last year. It was pretty annoying to the fact to the point where I had to put in um had to put in draft picks for some of these, but we don't take into consideration the draft picks because I've already done my draft grade. I've done my review of all 60 picks of the NFL, uh, sorry, NFL, the NBA draft and combine them and call like say the Charlotte Hornets got an A minus for example like you that's basically what that is so I got a separate episode if you want to hear me talk about the draft picks from a couple of months ago you can go find them it's only been like six episodes so you can probably find how many those episodes somewhere in the archives of the Zay Coleman podcast about me talking about these this year's draft picks. We are specifically talking about free agency, trades, um, extensions, hirings. And for the Utah Jazz, I give it a B minus. For a couple of reasons. Really, they didn't lose anything. And like the best player I think they lost this offseason is Damian Jones, and they traded him to Cleveland basically for nothing. And they kind of got something similar in Omer Yurtsevin back from Miami. But with John Collins comes almost twenty-five-ish million dollars. Um, twenty-five million dollars for at least a year, maybe two. Stunning the growth of Taylor Hendricks and potentially taking the ball out of Larry Marketing hands. Granted, the ball is never really in Larry Marketing's hands. He's mostly a cutter. But those are touches that Larry Marketing isn't getting in the paint, which Larry Marketing was one of the best finishers in the paint last year. Literally the finisher. Pun intended. Um, unfortunately, John Collins has a negative reputation on the court. For being, he's he, he is who he is at this point in his career. He's not. I don't see a, as a guy that's gonna take his step up, uh, uh, step up his game a notch in year. What is this? Year seven? Year eight? 
he's going into. Like, I'm not expecting this man to have a bag um, this season. He's going to be mostly a lob guy. And for a team like the Utah Jazz who don't really have a point guard, like Colin Sexton's the one point guard, quote-unquote, on this roster. And I guess Taylor Horton Tucker, too, played a little bit of point guard last year as well. Um, Not a ton of, of point guard depth like true point guard depth on this Utah Jazz roster. And for John Collins, who thrives the most when he has a point guard, obviously with Trey Young, that showed to be true. Um, It's not something that is particularly, like, you know, like it's not a potential, it's potentially not a positive for the Utah Jazz. If they, they essentially traded for John Collins to eat his salary. It was more of a Atlanta salary dumping move than it was a Utah Jazz getting an uh an acquisition move. And it wouldn't be bad if John Collins was playing the 5, but John Collins isn't playing the 5 because Walker Kessler is was one of the best rookies in the in the NBA last year. So what are we exactly we're doing here with John Collins? Is he a backup 5? Is John Collins future is backup center? I don't think John Collins is going to accept coming off the bench in Utah of all places. Um, now, now, if this was like Golden State, he might be able. To, he might want to come off the bench of Golden State, or maybe like the Lakers, or maybe I don't know if he wanted to play for the Nuggets. But if he, if the Nuggets was an option, I'm sure he would probably come off the bench with the Denver Nuggets. But with the Utah Jazz, a team that's again, like we mentioned last episode, at the end of last episode with Charlotte Hornets. Very obviously rebuilding. Like you can see the the pieces that they've made, the 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 um the or pieces they've added, the moves that they made in the last, I guess we can call it fifteen months ish since uh, Rudy Gobert was traded. Um, you could tell the moves that they made. It's a team that's very obviously in the rebuilding stage, and going out and getting a John Collins almost doesn't fit that that uh fit that then mold of trying to find um a, a young a young or piece like granted john collins isn't old i don't want to start up by saying that also want to start up by saying that you know me and john collins share a birthday but um he's like 26 which granted laurie marketing is also like 25 26 but laurie market is also like a founding piece of of the or of a flourishing piece of this offense in has found out uh, found a spot on the in this rotation. John Collins hasn't found a spot in his rotation. And like I said, he'll probably be the starting four opening night, but you just spent a top ten pick on a starting four in Taylor Hendricks, who, let's be honest, fits next to Laura Markin a lot better than John Collins does. If I was Will Hardy, and Will Hardy's an intelligent dude, so I'm not expecting him to um listen to me or, you know, they take my um words as gospel, but John Collins to me is probably the backup five on this team. They don't have it like I said, I just mentioned Omer Yurtsevin. He's the only backup center on this roster. Yudoka Azubike is a, a Phoenix Sun we'll talk about it in a couple episodes. Um Damian Jones is a Cleveland Cavalier which we just mentioned. Like, they don't have a backup center on this roster. John Collins is the backup center. Literally, the backup center on this roster. I'm just saying, 
might want to play him in that position. If he doesn't want it, buy him out. Utah again. Utah's eating the salary anyway. You might as well eat the salary and open up a playing spot for somebody who wants it. Common sense moving my I'm on my in my opinion. But hey, I don't run the NBA organization. I just talk about them. Next, we're going to mention is the Sacramento Kings. Okay, so again, the Sacramento Kings take away Harrison Barnes. I think this is a B-ish offseason for the Sacramento Kings. Um, they essentially replaced Rashawn Holmes with Nerlens Noel. And I guess Alex Lynn is the full-time backup center now for the Sacramento Kings. Um, Trey Lyles is also probably going to see some of, the, some of those minutes. Um, they A really, really underrated piece that they added this offseason was Chris Dorte. That, that move, I think, flew under the radar a little bit because Chris Dorte was basically non-existent for the Pacers last year until, like, March. But genuinely, very underrated pickup. The Sacramento Kings love shooters, man. They they love guys that can put the ball on, or either put the ball on the floor or knock down three, four, three pointers a night. Chris, uh, sorry, Kevin Herter, Malik Monk, De'Aaron Fox, Harrison Barnes, even, um, obviously Keegan Murray. Like those guys was snipers last year for the Sacramento Kings, and they added another one to Chris Duarte. And he sort of kind of fits the timeline because he's like the same age as De'Aaron Fox. Um, so it doesn't really hurt to to add a guy that can, A, space the floor for you, and B, is not young enough to where you're going to worry about him being, you know, super um, mistake heavy, but also not like a super old guy. Like he's like 25, 26-ish. Um, so he, again, like I said, around the same age as like a De'Aaron Fox or a Demonis Sabonis. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, like I said, if he's carved out a decent sized spot in the rotation by next season. Um, if not, then we might have to have some conversations about Chris Duarte, but, um, right now I think is not a bad, um, bad idea to have him playing probably backup three because they don't really have a backup three. Terrence Davis is still out there in free agency. So there's a spot um, to be filled there. Uh, maybe they want to run slightly. Uh, like I said, I don't know if they want to run sl- that kind of small-ish lineup off the bench with um, Davion Mitchell, Malik Monk, and Chris Duarte as the one-two-three combo. But overall, I can I can definitely see um, Chris Duarte being a, a key piece in this Kings rotation by the end of the season. Um, talking about. Nerlens Noel again. I don't see him being a super um, high contribute guy off the bench. He'll he'll give you spot minutes um, if you need it. Like if if Alex Alain is out and Sabonis has two fouls, he can give you spot minutes. Um, I don't see him playing like super big minutes down the stretch of the season, or even like if they are lucky enough to make it back to the playoffs. I think they can make it back to the playoffs, but if they are lucky to make it back to the playoffs, I, I don't really see him playing a whole lot there either. Um, just because, like I said, I, th- I think despite him only being like 28, 29 years old, his knees are shot. His knees have been shot since he was in high school. Like, it's – and not even as like being funny. This is me as a Pistons fan talking because we watched him play last year, and he wasn't good. 
Like, he sat for the majority of the season. And was, and I, even I was on this show questioning, like, why isn't Nerlens Noel getting playing time? And then you see Nerlens Noel get playing time, man. Oof. It, it was a scary sight for sure. So the buyout was probably the best thing for him. He went to Brooklyn on a 10-day, didn't stick around there, and then kind of floundered around in, in free agency limbo. Until the Sacramento Kings made a phone call in July, mid-July to say, hey, Nerlens Noel, you're a Sacramento King. Congratulations. Now, a couple of other losses that we I want to talk about. Um, one of them actually we'll be able to get into, I believe the next episode will be um, Rashawn Holmes with the Dallas Mavericks. Um, it very much weirded me out that he didn't play a ton with the Sacramento Kings. I thought he was better than... Um, Alex Lynn, in my opinion, and even though I'm a guy that really likes Shimizu Metu, and we'll get into Shimizu Metu, I believe also, or no, no, in the in three episodes, no, two episodes, we'll talk about the Phoenix Suns. Um, but um, like with Rashawn Holmes, it was weird that the Sacramento Kings didn't use him a ton because the Dallas Mavericks clearly saw it. He is one hell of a rim, a rim protector, an underrated rim protector. Like, a guy that can get you a block in 15 minutes. Like, that's a, that's pretty solid um, production from a guy. Again, a guy that you don't really look at for production. He's more of, like, an energy guy, a hustle guy. But I can totally see him, like, completely thriving in uh, in Dallas. And hopefully is used kind of to the best of his abilities and maybe even a starter. Because like I said, there's not a ton of center depth in Dallas right now. Um, unless Dwight Powell's the guy. Maybe Dwight Powell's the guy. I don't know. Um, but overall, I think like I said, this is a solid offseason from Sacramento Kings. I do want to talk about that Harrison Barnes extension because I'm not a big fan of it at all. Five years, 90 million. Or no, I think it was like four year, 80 million, something like that. Um, I was not a big fan of that deal at all. Um, Harrison Barnes, one hell of a player. I do like Harrison Barnes. Don't get it twisted. Harrison Barnes, I think, is a really underrated piece and probably a guy that gets a little too much hate because he's just he's Harrison Barnes. He's not like this big, huge name that people everybody knows. But I just think like the Sacramento Kings have a very small window to try to make things happen, and unless it's a a a money trap. And they're kind of using Harrison Barnes as a hey, we can match out salaries with this plus whatever they want to give Terrence Davis, I guess. I don't know. Maybe Davion Mitchell. Um, like if they wanted to make him a, a move for a OG Anobi, um, maybe they can make that phone call. But like, so overall, I don't totally see um, the short term. I don't see the, the maybe even long term too see the reason for giving Harrison Barnes such a big uh, big contract. New York Knicks. This is an offseason that I like, man, um, for two reasons. Reason number one, the, this was like the first offseason in, I don't know, God knows how long, where we didn't see such and such stars. The Knicks are interested in such and such star. Like last year, the entire summer, right up until training camp, Everybody and their mother was talking about Donovan Mitchell is going to the Knicks. And guess what? I'm guilty of it. I thought it was a done deal. It made all the sense in the world. The Knicks 
finally got the star, and it's a hometown guy. And then a week later, he's in Cleveland. I still remember that day like it was yesterday, too. That's probably that's going to be a funny story time at the end of the year, or at the end of the, the calendar year, I should point that out. Um, where we do story times and our best stories of the year, or because that it missed the cut last year, it really it missed. I can't believe it missed the cut, but um, I'll definitely like I said put it in the notes for this year. Even though we like I said we don't have a ton of notes because we didn't do a ton of episodes this year, um, at least not post February fourteenth. Um, but I really, 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 really like this New York Knicks offseason. Again, they didn't go out and try to go out and get the superstar, despite Damian Lillard being uh, requesting a trade, James Harden requesting a trade. They didn't stick. They weren't looking for those superstars. They tried to go after guys that were that they could financially afford. And Dante Divincenzo on the mid-level exception, four-year, fifty million dollars. That is one heck of a grab, man. Golden State missed a big opportunity trying to get him back, and New York. Was the perfect team to get. Now again, I I also get the Villanova thing with uh, it's Josh Hart and uh Jalen Brunson, like the Mikael Bridges isn't going to New York, isn't going to the Knicks, but that would be a pretty cool story to to see there. Is all the Villanova boys, you know, trying to compete for a championship with the New York Knicks of all teams. The you know the the Philly school the the Philadelphia school trying to win in New York is the funniest thing ever. But whatever. Um, and also another underrated pickup that I think they made this off season, Nathan Knight. Again, some hey, Timberwolves fans, y'all know about Nathan Knight. He's a and also if you are a fan of this podcast, if you have been a fan of this show longer than if pre two hundred episodes, if you've been a fan of this show for a minute. You know, I love underrated guys like this because you don't know what you're going to get. Like, similar to what Boston is getting out of O'Shea Brissett um, when he was in Indiana and even a little bit in Toronto as well. Um, you're going to get a shooter. You're going to get a guy that can put the ball on the floor. You're going to get a guy that's going to shoot the basketball. You're going to get a guy that can play solid defense as a center or really more of a forward, but they, he's classified as a center for some odd reason at six foot eight. Um, you're going to get a lot of hustle. You're going to get a lot of everything out of uh, out of a Nathan Knight in spot minutes. Obviously, I'm not saying he's going to be a superstar or anything, but the New York Knicks essentially are running two centers. So him playing the four, essentially the Obi Toppin role from uh, from the previous season, I wouldn't be completely upset. And honestly, I think it could be better than Obi Toppin because. Again, there's little to no expectation of him to be, you know, like this top 10, live up to a top 10 pick stature like Obi Toppin had to and um, ultimately failed in New York. Um, but like I said, I think two guys that are really going to grind, really going to be able to shoot the basketball really well, something that the New York Knicks did not do last season or especially in the playoffs. Um and that was shoot the basketball and play good defense, good enough defense. I think they were pretty solid in the Miami series, really good in the Cleveland series, but um, it was good for 44 minutes in Miami. It was not good for 48 minutes in Miami, and I think Dante DiVincenzo can give them an extra four minutes um, to close out games. Now, of course, 
With Dante DiVincenzo being gone, they had to release somebody with a big money contract. And that was Derrick Rose, sadly. We mentioned him earlier, or we mentioned him last episode, I should say that, um, with the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, D-Rose in New York was a time. Probably the biggest reaction I think we ever got out of out of D Rose post Chicago, um, was some of those games in the Garden. Him, losing him kind of hurts emotionally. Obviously, he wasn't getting a ton of playing time, and sure, he's probably going to get some playing time in Memphis. Um, but like I said, it is going to hurt a little bit to not see him suiting up in New York. Another loss for them was Obi Toppin. Um, they traded him to the Pacers for two second round picks. Um, sure, I, I like the move for both teams. New York gets uh frees up a spot for a, a guy like a Nathan Knight, maybe maybe Jacob Toppin, um, is a guy that they like. Unironically, um, and and, to, and Tyrese Halliburton in Indiana gets another lob partner. Like he he gets another guy that's going to he's going to spoon feed him two three assists a night. Simply from them jumping out the gym. I don't see how it's uh, a negative on on either side for uh of the the trade market or trade bracket. Okay, boys, we're about to get cooking. The Los Angeles Lakers, man. Okay, so again, if you've been a fan of this show longer than a cup of tea, you know that. My, I wouldn't even call it a disdain, and I absolutely wouldn't call it hate. My troll, my trolling of the Los Angeles Lakers kind of has gotten out of hand in recent times. Even I can admit that. But I am an NBA podcaster, unbiased one at that, first. In my unbiased opinion... The Los Angeles Lakers had the best offseason in the NBA. Better than Milwaukee. Better than Phoenix. Um, who else had a good offseason this year? Uh, actually, a difficult question to answer, to be honest. Better than Cleveland. Controversially, I think better than Boston. The Lakers had the best offseason in basketball. Especially when you look at what they had to do to get to they had to have a perfect offseason to have a chance next year and they had the perfect offseason they had an a plus offseason like granted i think losing dennis Schroeder kind of hurts but you kind of replaced that and gave vincent a little bit and are ultimately on a cheaper deal for longer it's a 10 million dollar deal for three years as opposed to dennis Schroeder getting 11 million for two years um and slightly younger as well. Um, I think, like, and again, they they took a couple of flyers. I like when teams, again, that are trying to compete, take flyers because those are either guys that, you know, they're on minimum minimum ish deals, just not really a, the biggest deal in the world. But when those guys are good, those guys are good, and they those guys are probably could potentially be the difference between you winning a championship and you not winning a championship. And the Lakers took those opportunities with Jackson Hayes and Cam Reddish. Two guys, I think, especially Cam Reddish, I think there's still something there with Cam. Like, I'm not, again, I've kind of fallen off the Paul George wagon um, a little bit. But I can see 
like a solid guy off a solid three and D guy off the bench for the Los Angeles. Like, and again, it's something that they could have gotten out of a Troy Brown Jr. last year or Malik Beasley on the second half of the season, Lonnie Walker. But evidently, they didn't get any of that from any of those guys. I can see that in Cam Reddish. They got it out of Austin Reeves. They kind of got it out of Alex Caruso a little bit a couple years ago. I don't see why they can't get it out of Cam Reddish. Probably one of the best development uh, roster development staff in basketball right now is in Los Angeles. And Cam Reddish, I think, is going to be the next guy to step up. Even Jackson Hayes. Even if Jackson Hayes doesn't improve his game at all, he's still another guy that LeBron James is willing to play with. LeBron has played with some centers that didn't do anything. Like, he's had some centers in his career that were absolute dog water. Jackson Hayes isn't completely dog water. Jackson Hayes at least has some sort of game as a center. Center slash forward, give or, give or take. Um, Another really underrated piece that they added this offseason, Torian Prince. Again, a guy that I thought was like, man, Minnesota letting Torian Prince go didn't feel right to me. And then it all made sense. He signed a deal with the Los Angeles Lakers literally day one of free agency. But all of those moves aside, them signing Hayes and Prince, Radish, Vincent, um, letting go of Bamba, Beasley, Brown, Walker, and Schroeder last year or this offseason, the two th- reasons, they or really three reasons, they had to have a perfect offseason was re-signing D'Angelo Russell, re-signing Rui Hachimura, re-signing Austin Reeves. And they had to get them at relatively cheaper prices to make everything worthwhile. D'Angelo Russell, they got about $17, $18 million a year. Rui Hashimura around the same price for four years. Austin Reeves signing a four-year $52 million deal. After, let's face it, an elite level second and third round in the playoffs. I, w- I wouldn't say that he was really good in the Memphis series, but... In the Warriors series, and really, really well in the Denver series, despite them getting swept. $13 million a year is kind of a, a, a almost a low-ball move from the Los Angeles Lakers. And again, forget it. He signed it. Who cares? Like that, like that I'm not upset. I'm not upset that they offered him $13 million a year because obviously he was going to sign whatever it was to come back to Los Angeles. It just happened to be smaller price tag than what I would imagine. Because, like, two days before free agency, there was heavy Spurs talk of four years, $80 million. That's why I was like, oh, Austin Reeves is going to get that bag this offseason. And then, I mean, $13, $13 million is absolutely nothing to sniff at, first off. Like, that's congratulate Austin Reeves for being an undrafted player who's been able to carve out $52 million in guaranteed money for the next four years of his life. Like that's awesome. That is amazing. Um, amazing, amazing, amazing work that work ethic from Austin Reeves, and we should be congratulating that. It was crazy that only fifty two million dollars for a guy who averaged like twenty one in the Western Conference Finals, and is probably and is qu- quietly one of the best three point shooters in basketball. Hmm. 
interesting. And, it's, and it's, I only say that because, I, again, you've been on this podcast long enough. You know what example I'm coming up with. Duncan Robinson is making damn near $20 million a year on the Miami Heat. That's all I'm saying. Overall, though, for the Los Angeles Lakers, I gave give this an A-plus offseason. Like, obviously, deadline moves will be made. They're still pretty slim at the center position. Again, I know Jackson Hayes is probably going to be the backup center, but if if the case of that flyer not working out, there's still a hole at the backup center position that they could fill relatively soon. Um, D'Lo, I don't think, is the point guard for this team. Like, granted, LeBron James is the point guard. Let's keep it a buck. But LeBron James always has had a secondary guy that can make plays for others. Wade Miami, Rhea in Cleveland, Rondo in L.A. I don't think D'Angelo Russell is, unless, like I said, unless D'Angelo Russell completely refines his game, which I think he can because I think D'Lo is still a solid basketball player. Um, I don't, like, it's a conversation that can be had with D'Angelo Russell. But overall, I don't hate this offseason for the Los Angeles Lakers. I, like I said, genuinely, this is a perfect offseason. You could not get any better than that for L.A. Um, and we kind of teased it earlier, but the final team that I want to talk about in this uh, episode, sadly, is the Orlando Magic. Mm. They essentially said, Bobo, you're going to Phoenix, and you're going to like it. Bobo went to Phoenix. They signed Joe Ingles. That, that was literally their free agency. Like, again, I liked it. I like their draft. Let's keep it about. Let's start there. I like the draft. Anthony Black was an amazing pick, and uh, Jet Howard I think was also a very underrated pick. I think Jet Howard's going to be really, really, really underrated in this league, and it's going to be he's going to be here for a long time. Anthony Black is also going to be a guy that's going to be around really, a really long time. And it's lazy to say Sean Livingston, but he does have a young Sean Livingston game to him. Elite level playmaking um, as a young guy. Shooting, I think, is going to be questionable, but I think, obviously, he's got plenty of time to develop a jump shot. Um, slashing is second and none. Defense is there. You know, you saw it in Summer League. He was really, really solid. Um, but yeah, the Joe Ingles contract plus Mo Wagner coming back when two years, I think 16 million, um, is kind of snippy. Like I said, that's a very interesting, like granted, they probably, they probably had the cash space and they probably had to spend 90% of it according to the CBA, but mm, two year deals potentially for Joe Ingles and Mo Wagner, I think is not necessarily the moves I would have made, but I'm also not an NBA GM, so there's that. I hate, I hate that that's probably the that we're gonna end with such a sour note. But the Los Angeles Lakers had a genuinely good offseason, though. I won't, like I said, I won't hate on that. Honestly, none of these teams had a bad offseason. Orlando, I think, had a pretty questionable offseason based on or based questionable free agency. Based on the, the direction of the franchise and how they're basically their three best players are under the age of twenty two, um, but 
I think overall, all of these teams have, at, at bare minimum, all of these teams have a direction. The Utah Jazz are very clearly rebuilding. Sacramento Kings are very much buying into this season and trying to compete for another playoff spot. The New York Knicks are very much buying in to compete for a playoff spot. The Lakers are a team that view themselves as a championship contender. And it's kind of hard to argue with that because they were just in the Western Conference Finals four months ago. So you can't really, really three months ago, can't really argue that they're a team that's like vying for another chance at a Western Conference Finals appearance and even further. The Orlando Magic, I think, could be a play-in team. But, you know, don't be surprised if they're like the 11th. 11th slash 12th seed in the Eastern Conference. They're a team that I think could probably be another top 10 pick or a team that could be 8th, 9th, maybe even 10th competing for a spot in the playoffs. They are that talent. They're that talented to me. But overall, like I said, I, I don't hate any of these off seasons. Um, could argue that, like I said, the Orlando Magic signings were a little bit unnecessary. But, you know, it's kind of it's it, what can you do really? What can you do? Um, I guess we could call it right there. Like I said, a lot of these are going to be short because these are like five six minute synopsis uh, synopsis of most of these teams. Um, five teams an episode. You get the idea. Um, but if you missed the previous two hundred and four episodes of the Zay Comba podcast, you can check them out on Spotify on Google Pack. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and of course, right here on Spotify for podcasts. You can check uh, social medias, of course. Zay with the Trey, Instagram, the ZC Podcast, also on Instagram. Um, the ZC Podcast on Twitter. Uh, I think that's it. I think that's every social media that I, I possess. Um, for my older demographic, because I believe the 35 to 44 demographics like my third most listened to demographic um you can check my uh i will might be making a fix a facebook page who knows um specifically for podcast uh clips so look out for that but until next time i love you you love me and let's love each other goodbye